Rampart podcast this week, we have a guest. We have a guest. And that guest is Jesse Eisenberg, star of Fafarium, a far-fetched sci-fi tale in which he is confined to quarters in a house. Uh, oh, no. Oh, that's not far-fetched at all, is it? Uh. Anyway, all that and the usual, or more accurately, unusual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that has just been pushed back to December 2021. Sorry about that, folks. Hey-ho. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which this week doesn't come to you from the dark, dingy, grey, oppressive walls of the Empire Pod booth. Oh, no. Thanks, indeed, to our old friend, COVID-19. We are now recording this from a bunker below sea level. Or, alternatively, we are doing this remotely via the power of broadband, while we still have broadband. Uh, I say we, of course, because I'm joined in this pre-apocalyptic scenario by two colleagues of such lethal cunning, our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. Hello. How are you? I am so far well, thank you. And you're also so far well, because if I may pull the curtain back for the listeners at home, you're doing this on your sofa. Yes. And so, hence, hence the pun. It's a very funny pun, Chris. It was a very good pun. I'm still on my game. Well, COVID-19 <laughs> notwithstanding, I'm still very much on my game. We're also joined, of course, by a man who is one step closer to his goal of becoming a strange hybrid of Thanos and Negan from The Walking Dead. It is, of course, James Dyer. They are my spirit animals, it can be said. I'm, I'm quite, really I am quite are. enjoying this, although it has to be said. So I went out, just before we did this podcast, I went out to buy some essentials, a Toblerone, from, uh, from Sainsbury's. Mm-hmm. And not only was there no fresh fruit, no fresh vegetables, there was nothing there. The shelves were bare, the frozen aisles were gone, like all the food is gone. And in the confectionery aisle, I went to mm-hmm. the Toblerone section. There's no sweet, all the dairy milk gone, all the chocolate gone. The only thing left were four giant bars of coconut Toblerone. What kind of animal eats coconut <laughs> Toblerone? I mean, for Now it's an sake, apocalypse. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's the apocalypse here. I can't even have a regular Toblerone. First world problems. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's the priority here, definitely. I, I may or may not have a small mountain of chocolate in my in my house. You, I this you that's done it, isn't it? Conf- You've stopped None of it's Toblerone. The nation's none of, chocolate. None of it's Toblerone. What is it? What have you got? No. Nope. What have you got? This Willie's is my here. regular stockpile. <laughs> uh, I have Easter eggs, obviously. Oh. We have to be ready for Easter. Which ones? Um, I got two, well, between me and my sister, we have two Hotel Chocolat fancy eggs okay. and then two Cadbury's <laughs> eggs because like, there's such a thing as tradition. Are you going to do the um, thing that that guy on the internet did where he got like 90 cream eggs and took the fondant out and poured yep. them into no. a giant Easter egg and then melted it closed again and wrapped it up. So it was a no. giant cream egg. No, no, definitely not. Yes, I, I saw that. That was incredible. And he, he melted them together and it was just, uh, it was something It was something he said he'd always wanted to, wanted to do in his life and it's something that I've always wanted to do in my life, but I wow. still don't have the engineering know-how to make that <laughs> you work. D- you Hashtag dream that dream, Chris. <laughs> oh, it was amazing, Helen. You should have heard the crunch as he <laughs> fused these two massive halves together and he just, he unwrapped, he even wrapped crunch. it. He wrapped the egg back up again and then he unwrapped the egg. It was like, it was like cream egg porn and then he bit into it like it was a normal Cadbury's cream egg and it was absolutely inc- in fact it was better it I was- would argue than any porn I may or may not have watched in my life I cannot confirm wow. or deny that I have watched any porn it doesn't sound like you Chris no I'm sure you haven't but, <laughs> at least he now has a decent answer to the question how do you eat yours <laughs> <laughs> uh, as indeed did someone on Twitter this week when uh, 
Anyway, we won't, maybe we won't talk about that. But <laughs> oh, that Twitter <laughs> yes. thread. Yes, oh, yeah. that thread about um, mm. which Hollywood stars do you think? Um, how can I phrase this? Perform the act is... of cunnilingus in a loving and yes, pleasant way. Indeed, go down south for the weekend, yes. uh, shall we say? And. Uh, Someone replied with a picture of Joshua Jackson, him out of Dawson's Creek and the first four seasons of The Affair. Not the fifth. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Well, he was um, busy, clearly. And, and yeah, and said, and said to, you know, and basically put him up as a candidate, you know, a cunning linguist, if we will, and said, do we think that he does, he performs this, this act? And uh, his wife, Jodie Turner-Smith <laughs> of Queen and Slim, just replied with a gif that that very heavily implied that yes he does so well done to everybody i believe i believe it was a clip of the music video super freak <laughs> oh i love it welcome to the empire podcast we may be in the midst of a a, a crisis a global health crisis that is gripping the world but nevertheless we're about five minutes in we're talking about toblerone and cunnilingus you show me any movie podcast that does that kermode's not doing that kermode's not sitting there with mayo in their bunker and they probably do have a bunker uh, an actual proper bunker and they're not talking about you know the no, uh, put, probably the art about of putting movies. out bushfires <laughs> Yes, they're not. They're not talking about that. Anyway, uh, how are we all doing? How are we all? How are we all faring? Um, we should mention first of all that this is the first time we're doing this. We're we're going to be trying to do this and spoiler specials and whatnot going forward over the next. We don't know how long we're going to be doing this for. It could be. It could be a few weeks. It could be a couple of months. It could be a few months. It could be. Well, if it's a couple of years, then I suspect we're not going to be doing this beyond that. But uh, let's see what happens. And uh, you were doing this remotely. We're doing this via a, a wonderful. A program that James found called Squadcast, which allows us to talk uh, whilst James is in his little man cave, Helen's on her sofa, and I'm in my office uh, at my house, at my flat, rather. And we hope that the sound quality is good. Uh, if it isn't, do let us know, and we will do our best over the next few weeks to try and fix that as well. But uh, but how are we all holding up? Are we, are we okay? This is our, our first week of self-isolation. Are we going nuts? Day four in the Big Brother house. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, don't ever do that again. Um, well, I mean, I killed and ate my neighbours on day two. I thought, really, that was... <laughs> it seemed to me standard. A, a better option than eating tinned hot dogs. So I, I, went, I went with that. It seemed, it seemed fair. Why did you buy tinned hot dogs then? I mean, it's a fair just, point. It's a fair, well, I had perfectly good neighbours. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Like I said last week, you know, I feel, I feel like... I was saying to, to Ben earlier today, I said, yeah, yeah. He said, what did you do? Today? So I went up into the loft and got down some of my, uh, you know, some of my uh, survival kit respirators you know disposable gloves from my kill kit and uh, you know things like that and he looked at me and i was like i'm a prepper aren't i like this is a this is a realization i've come to like on, in 10 years i'm gonna be on a netflix documentary yeah 100 you were right i was you right, were right. I mean, we're the, we, we, we were the ones i mean it's wonderful if you, if you can you can trace the world's attitude towards this crisis from you know, obviously looking at Twitter and people going, oh, it's nothing to worry about. And now we're obviously all batting down on our houses, uh, stockpiling, fighting each other in the streets for toilet mm. roll, that sort of thing. But you can also trace it, <laughs> just going back to the podcast, two weeks ago we were in Dublin having a nice, you know, devil may care chat about Bond being pushed back. We were like, it's fine, don't worry about it, it's okay, it'll be out in November and don't worry about it. They said, you know, it's, it's a mild cough. Then last week we were like, uh, this may be the last time we do this face to face. And now we're like, I will kill you and eat you if I have to. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Like, you know, the beginning of 28 Days Later when Killian Murphy's in a coma and he wakes up and he's like, what has happened? This, Killian, this is what happened. No, do you know what's funny? Do you know who's playing Killian Murphy? 
Jared Leto. Did you all hear this? <laughs> Jared Leto was on a 12-day meditation oh my retreat God, yes. in the desert. I did read this. Had no idea anything was happening. <laughs> came out and had to immediately self-isolate again. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? They had a similar thing in Germany, uh, didn't they? Where they finally told the, the Big Brother house in Germany who were blissfully unaware that any of this was going on. Yeah, look, it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's scary and weird times, and you know, I think a bit of community spirit is probably going to mm-hmm. help everybody through it. I have been talking to my neighbours from a safe distance, of course, not eating them, uh, James, and and I think if we'll kind of keep sane as far as possible, it'll be all right. I have, <laughs> <laughs> might be too late for some. I, I will admit though that if I don't, if I if they try to stop us going outside for a run or something then at that point my sanity may fray yeah that's going to be tricky um, if they do the whole lockdown thing but uh you know yeah yeah. we will i'm fully prepared for it well we have plans we have have contingencies in place Starting tomorrow, the Empire Movie Night begins, hashtag Empire Movie Night, uh, which kicks off at 8pm and it's going to happen every Friday night at 8pm. We're all going to watch a film together, meaning hopefully... We are? Yes, we are. I should have probably told you this beforehand. Let's just tell you as I tell everyone else. Um, (laughs) Okay. So we're going to do this... I have plans, but okay. Every Friday... Uh, from 8 until whenever the film finishes um, and uh, we're all going to watch it along on Twitter and hopefully lots of listeners slash readers slash people will, will join us and it will be lots of fun oh, and cool. tomorrow night's film yes. is Groundhog Day mm-hmm. and when I say tomorrow night I of course mean tonight when the podcast goes out so tonight's film, Friday night's film 8pm, Groundhog Day which is streaming on Netflix so if you have Netflix you Handy. have Groundhog Day and that's also available on Sky if people want to indeed. do that. If we, if we want to look at Sky or on something we call DVD. Yes, and it's mm. uplifting and yes. features a man stuck and unable to go anywhere, so it works out quite well. Yeah, that's that's a who chose that? I did. I, I presume everyone's choosing <laughs> different. You chose. That. I chose it. Yes. Okay. I chose a comedy. Yes. I know. James, you can tell us the apocalypse. I, well, I suspect you won't wow. find it funny at all. <laughs> watch Groundhog Day. You guys can join in and uh, do watch Groundhog Day with James and do try and figure out the presumably two or three parts parts of the movie that he finds vaguely funny. I love Groundhog <laughs> Day. I guess. Really? Yeah, I do. I think it's what's the do word? You, what's that word? Oh God, what's the word? Funny. That's the one. Funny. F- funny. Yes, you, it, makes you, it makes you laugh. Is it laugh? That. Yeah, I yes. thought that was something you could never do. Yes, I know now why you do it, Helen. But uh, yeah, it should be good. Chris, unfortunately, has plans. Presumably he's going out clubbing, uh, as you know, as is the way during this, uh, this crisis. Well, the, the clubs are empty now, which is my perfect club. <laughs> so, so, Still sticky somehow, though. Someone, uh, well... <laughs> someone texted me. Joshua Jackson's... Jo- Joshua Jackson's oh, been no. there before me. No! Come on! Come on. That's, no. that's wrong. Come on! It was oh, an open goal. God. Was it? No, it, that's not what they call yeah, it. That's not a um, euphemism. Well. Um, <laughs> someone, someone texted me this week, a relative, saying, oh, you know, James, are you doing okay? Like, how are you coping with being... So-? And I was like, well, I'm in my house alone watching films in my pants. I'm not entirely sure how my lifestyle has changed, but sure, sure, I'm fine. Just to clarify for readers, James is currently wearing more than pants. You don't know that, so that's a I'm fairly certain <laughs> you, all you three of us before and went are and got naked a drink. from the waist down. <laughs> Actually, I'm not uh, for once, and yeah, uh, Joshua Jackson's you know under your desk because I just I just stood up uh, to try and fix a technical problem, and you saw that I had jeans affixed to my nethers. So that was that was good. Well, that was good. Anyway, should we get on with the show? Sure, sure. We should probably get on with the show and uh, actually do stuff because, as you have no doubt noticed, things are different around here at the moment. Um, but we're going to try and bring you the same Empire podcast that you've had for the last eight years. Sorry about that. Um, it's not always going to be possible, of course, so we're going to be road testing stuff 
trying things out over the next few episodes because there won't be as many new films to review because they're all being delayed or pushed back. However, some heroic distributors are pushing ahead with digital-only releases. Uh, there's obviously Netflix, there's Amazon Prime, there's all sorts of things as well. So we're going to try and keep you abreast of the new releases, the things that you can watch in the comfort of your own home. We may bang on about films you might not have seen on these streaming services. Uh, and of course, there certainly won't be as much news beyond Black Widow's been delayed again or no. something like that. So we're going to be doing a thing, not this week, but I'm going to, uh, I'm serving James and Helen notice now. So every week... I'm going to charge James and Helen with coming in armed with at least one killer film fact, because I want this podcast to not only be entertaining for you guys, but also educational as well. Uh, and then I will, you will explain the fact to me, you will educate me, and then I will decide who the winner is and we'll keep a running tally. And then at the end, when we get out of our underground bunkers, the winner will be allowed to live. I think that's fair. <laughs> I have notes as your lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, you will actually have film facts. James will just come in banging about the West Wing, so yeah. you, I think you're fine. I mean, I have West Wing facts. I could have West Wing facts. You don't know. Hit me with a West Wing fact. Right now? No. Go on. Uh, no. <laughs> the West Wing is the greatest television show ever made. It's there not a fact. That's an opinion. That kind of is a fact. No, that's a fact. It's not a fact. definitely a fact. It's not a fact. It's not a fact. No, Sky Sports News. Anyway, we also... Um, and of course, you know, we also want to be able to support and help our colleagues in the film industry, uh, many of whom are facing an uncertain time and an uncertain future. Uh, and so Empire has launched an initiative called Hashtag Celebrate Our Cinemas. So if you are involved with uh, a great cinema or a cinema chain or a cinema or an independent cinema that is closed and is struggling and needs help to raise money to make it through the next few weeks slash months, then do let us know. We will shine a spotlight on you on the podcast and, of course, on Twitter and in the magazine. And uh, So let us know and we will let you know. So do write in. My DMs are open to anyone who needs help, who needs support, and we will do as best as we can. Um, so this week, what I wanted to do very, very quickly, I just want you guys to give a shout-out to your favourite cinemas, uh, basically, or, or or any cinemas that you, that you feel might just... You know, because I think people can still buy vouchers and they can still support mm -hmm. in other ways mm -hmm. it would be things like you know Fenmo and, and GoFundMe and whatnot and obviously the government's going to try and well we're hopeful that the government will bail uh, a lot of independent cinemas out but it's going to be tough out there for a while well we can hope that yeah they, they don't show much sign of it yet but fingers Not yet. crossed yeah. um, uh, my favourites uh, well I love the Prince Charles here in London um, it's a fantastic cinema just has a really eclectic mix of programming I think it's great um, I uh, kind of grew up going to the Jet Centre in Cool Rain big shout out to the Jet Centre is that still going? Um, it is still going, yeah. The Portrush Playhouse, I'm not sure if that's still going, but the Jet Centre is up and running. Um, and they have actually redone it since my day because I brought my friends there once from college and they were absolutely horrified that I'd become a massive film fan because at that point it was literally a screen about just a little bit bigger than our TVs with literally two speakers sat in front of it in one of the screens. Amazing. It was not it was not high tech back in the day, but now it's a very nice cinema. Um, so uh, So, yeah, I love them. Good. 
Good choice. Jimbo. My favourite cinema is the Picture House Central, just because I spend most of my adult life oh, there, yeah. uh, whether in the bar or in the screens or in the restaurant. Or just, I just wouldn't leave. I'd live there, given half the chance. Um, my favourite screen is the Laser IMAX at the Empire Leicester Square, which I prefer... Laser. Laser IMAX. Um, I prefer that. So people go on about the size of the, the Waterloo IMAX. But, you know, they do. But as we all know, <laughs> size isn't everything. And, you know, while it may be more girthsome in Waterloo, uh, I'm saying that the one in Leicester Square certainly knows how to use it more. <laughs> Sorry, that all got a bit... I see. Yeah. Um, well, although, the, uh, it sounds like the Joshua Jackson of cinemas. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I felt very satisfied when I left. Um, the, my favourite is that growing up in Harrow, there were two cinemas. There was the Cannon and the Granada. Uh, and the, the little Granada was the red one sort of at the top of the street. And then there was a sort of blue one, which was the cannon at the bottom of the street. And my memories of two is I remember going to see uh, uh, Young Guns 2 at the Granada. And I remember going to see Naked Gun 22 and a half at the cannon and being punched in the face by a man called Len. How, but, uh, uh, I have so um, many questions. How yes. did you... When did he introduce himself? Before or after punching you in the I, face? That's a very good question. So my, uh, some people were throwing sweets. <laughs> it remains to be seen whether my friend Daniel was one of them. This is an, a long-standing grudge that I brought up during my best man speech at his wedding. Um, but uh, Len took uh, issue with us throwing sweets because one of them apparently hit him. Uh, we were, oh God, we were really young at the time and he was a good five or six years older than us and he was there with a mate and, and, and his girlfriend and because obviously you stay for the credits for Naked Gunks funny credits so we stayed till yeah, the cinema funny. emptied and he was waiting for us and as we came out he basically went who's throwing sweets and so my friend Simon courageous chivalrous man that he is went it was him and just pointed at me and so Len punched me in the face and I know his name was Len because his girlfriend then she went oh Len he's just a kid and, and that was it Wow. He did. She made him. She dragged him up to us. We were at the bus stop outside the cinema afterwards, and she dragged him over to us and made him apologise to me, <laughs> which was quite funny. Oh, good wow. Lord. But yeah. wow! From um, that moment on, you became a prepper. That's was, right. One day, and I was like, "From <laughs> this day this forth, I shall be prepared. <laughs> I shall not be cold cocked again." Which is why I have oh. fourteen swords, <laughs> just in case Len comes a call. It's like John Wick's bedroom um, in here. It, yeah, I, I believe that. Um, I also, I forgot a cinema I should also mention, which is the last couple of years I've gone up to the Lake District to do the, the Windermere Marathon. And in Ambleside, they have two independent cinemas called Zeffirelli's and Fellini's, which are absolutely bloody brilliant. They have a restaurant as well downstairs. It's kind of like the Picture House Central kind of Lake District version. They're absolutely great. Love them. By the way, it's Naked Gun two and a half. You said 22 Did and I half. say 20? It's 33 oh. and a third and two and a half. You're quite right. Two and a half, of course, of 33 course. and a third. I was never very good at fractions. Or indeed remembering facts. <laughs> yeah, that's going to make Our this new regular problem. West Wing is the greatest television show. Yeah, James, <laughs> James forgets I might win this after all. Hurrah! Yeah. Um, so what we've also done is we, we, we suspect that there, as there won't be that many films to review and as there, there won't be that much movie news to talk about going forward, um, although we will obviously try and generate as much uh, movie news as possible, perhaps by writing and directing our own films <laughs> while we're bored. Who knows? <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're going to just answer more listener questions. So I've already got a whole bunch of listener questions on standby. I think we've talked probably far too much to take a load today, but I will say that this isn't necessarily a question, but uh, someone I follow on Twitter, the most excellent Tim Postens of Sky, at mm -hmm. Time Positions on Sky, uh, he and I had a bit of a giggle today 
because he tweeted about how next year's Oscars, should they go ahead, of course, are going to be dominated by basically Bad Boys for Life mm. and Spencer Confidential, <laughs> um, which got me thinking, let's do that. Let's have a look at next year's Oscars if they were confined to movies that came out before what I'm going to refer to as the Great Shutdown. Uh, so that's movies that came out in the States and opened in the States from January 1st to today, March 20th. Films that came out theatrically and Netflix films are eligible as well as provided, of course, they got a theatrical release. We will assume for the, for the purposes of this that they did. So what do we think will be in the running for Best Picture? I mean, that, that, it's going to be tough to get past Spencer Confidential, of course. It's the um, one to beat. <laughs> oh, God, I can't even joke about it. Uh, it's, hmm, hmm. I think this is a difficult question because uh, all of the good ones have, you know, gone. <laughs> well, the highest grossing film of the year so um, far is Bad Boys for Life, followed by Sonic the Hedgehog. So, you know, yes. toss a coin. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like that's a massive recommendation, James. Bad Boys, though. Yeah, let's absolutely give something to Will Smith. He didn't get anything for Ali, right? So, um, <laughs> he won an Oscar for Mike for Lowry. Bad Boys for Life. Yeah. Oh, Emma, not? Emma, Emma came out. That'll yes, sweep the board at this rate. Two stars for Emma Lynn, uh, but five Oscars. <laughs> Two stars and five Oscars for Emma. Um, I'm going to put together, I've, I think I've put together a pretty decent list of six movies that would be on the best picture list. All right. Okay. Invisible Man. Invisible Man. Yeah. Which you can download. Onward. As well as Emma today. Onward. Yeah. You can. We'll talk about that in a second. Fucking don't, don't Sorry. shoot your bolt. <laughs> Hang on. Easy. Steady. Steady boy. Uh, so uh, the Invisible Man. Onward. See, this opens the field to the likes of The Photograph, which is a perfectly fine movie. And then, mm. but all of a sudden, there it is. All of there a sudden, in, in, yeah, it's a yeah. wide open field. Yeah. Wide open field. Uh, there's the Ben Affleck, Gavin O'Connor film, which hasn't come out here yet, The Way Back. It's called Finding the Way Back over here. Obviously, it's been finding the pushback. Uh, so we may not see that for a while, but I hear it's pretty decent. So pretty decent pretty much gets you a Best Picture nomination at this point. Bad Boys mm-hmm. for Life, Color Out of Space. Um, yes. I'm going to throw in Ordinary Love, which is the small oh, yeah. Northern Irish movie with Liam Neeson and Leslie Manville. Obviously, the directors of that, Glenn Leyburn and Lisa barras Desire, were guests on our live show in Belfast last year. Uh, didn't really get any traction in the awards uh, season. But this season, this year, with only three films in the field, <laughs> I think it has a real good shot at winning Best Actor for Liam Neeson and getting Best Actress for Leslie Manville. Although I would absolutely give that to Elizabeth Moss for The Invisible Man. Yeah, uh, Invisible, um, Invisible Man is a, is a shoe-in for Best Actress, I think. Um, and Colour Out of Space, let's give it, like, VFX, because, you know, the colours were pretty. <laughs> they were pretty. They were they super were, pretty. They were super pretty <laughs> colours. Yeah, are you are you arguing with Liam Neeson for, for Best Actor, completing a... Hollywood loves who, a comeback story. Who is going to argue with Liam Neeson for Best Actor? I mean, the man's a, a, a mountain. He is an actual mountain. There's Vin Diesel for Bloodshot. Like I said, who's going to argue with Liam Neeson? <laughs> Jimbo, any, any thoughts on this? Uh, I would throw Blake Lively as an unlikely ringer for the rhythm section, which is not a good film, but her performance in it is excellent. Uh, and let's be honest, there's not much competition. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say Shirley Henderson will be Best Supporting Actress nominee for her excellent performance as Steve Coogan's mum 
in green. Hey. Despite the fact that I think she may she may even be younger than Steve Coogan. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. Or if she's older than him, like she's like six years older than him. So uh, she's good as well. Uh, so, so give that to her. Um, I was sure I you were this- going to nominate her for Babu Frick mm. there. So well done. Hey, hey! No, uh, Rise of Skywalker is ineligible. Both oh, I know. in terms of release date and quality. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, Birds of Prey, do you think that's a good end with a shot, Hells? Uh, I mean, you could you could throw a couple of nominations, a supporting actor maybe for for McGregor or actress for Robbie. I mean, she gets nominated twice a year, I think, uh, contractually. So that would be <laughs> fine. And certainly production design and costumes, I would absolutely yes. say, say that is in with a shot. Well, wasn't someone who, someone on Twitter pointed out, they may even have been on her Birds of Prey spoiler special, that uh, she got nominated last year for two performances and she's legitimately better in Birds of Prey yeah. than she was in either of the two films last year. Um, <laughs> Bombshell and the and other one. Once Upon a yeah. Time in Hollywood. That's it, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, which she was fine in, but she yeah. was barely in. Uh, yeah. At least she gets uh, some dialogue in Birds of Prey. <laughs> and she's great. They, oh, she's we're fantastic. Not, we love we're her. not Dissy Margot Robbie. She's incredible. Uh, so Nick Cage, nominated for Color Out of Space. Well done him. Um, but Big Liam's going to take that one. Lakeith Stanfield, nominated for The Photograph. Well done to Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, there's a film called The Assistant, which I haven't seen yet, but mm. apparently is pretty good. So that maybe that's... Maybe I was due to see that last night, and sadly, coronavirus got in the way. Boo. Oh, my God. Uh, boo, boo indeed. Boo, should, we, indeed. should we take some more questions? Should we take sure. some questions from from peeps who are uh, who are actually saying things. Oh, hey, I should say while we're doing this before we we launch into questions that uh, in terms of shining the spotlight on people, if you go to Twitter and at Storyboard Hub, uh, they've just got in touch on Twitter to say we've launched a brief for the people of our town, Morpeth to create a short video about what their community means to them. Then they'll retransfer us the entries to be exhibited when we're open again. So this is a cinema and arts hub in Warpath. And if anybody is interested, the brief can be linked to anyone's hometown. So go and uh, check out at Storyboard Hub on Twitter for more details there. Here's a good one. we got some really, really great questions. We'll, we'll get into the, the bulk of them next week. Uh, this is a great one from at Dean BM Dean Bows on Twitter. What's the first film you want to watch when cinemas reopen? And what was the last film you saw in the cinema before they closed? And are you happy with it being your last for the foreseeable future? Oh, well, you want it to be like a big movie when the cinemas reopen. So, you you know, you want it to be a, a Black Widow or a Mulan or a Wonder Woman 84. God forbid it takes that long. But I want something enormo on the big screen, uh, ideally. Um, and the last film I saw, it's been so long. I don't remember anymore. It was one of the ones we reviewed last week, probably. Right. What did we reviewed last week. It's been so long ago. Who knows? Uh, yeah, uh, a week is a long time in coronavirus. A week is time, such a long it? time. I think mine was Onward. Um, I, I, really? Yeah, I think Onward was the last film I saw in cinema. Onward. That's not a bad one. Yeah. That's a, that's, was, that's wait, a pretty good way to wasn't that know, the same, go out. Wasn't that the same week we saw Military Wives in the Photograph? Yes, but I oh did I see Onward before or after them? I can't remember. I think I saw it after them. No. Yes. No. This no. is the best conversation ever. No, you saw it on the did Saturday I? and you saw it. So so what we're saying is the last Monday. thing I saw was the last thirty minutes of military wives <laughs> and then the photograph. No, and then no, the photograph was later yeah. in the afternoon. Photograph was afterwards. And that's that's the last the time I ever went to the cinema. Oh my god. So you saw the Keith Sanfield and Isa Ray's Oscar nominated performances in the Best Picture nominated <laughs> The Photograph. Yes. 
That's not bad. No. Helen, of course, saw the this year's best animated movie uh, onward. Uh, also, I believe, only animated movie <laughs> onward. Uh, so well done there. I saw fucking Bloodshot. That was the last film I saw in the cinema. And wow. I desperately didn't want it to be my last film in the cinema. And I even looked at going along the other day, but I've been so busy. Uh, you know, I've, got, I've had tons of stuff to do here in my little little fiefdom here at home. Uh, and also, I didn't really want to risk, despite the advice we gave people last week, still go out to the cinema, it'll be totally fine. Sit away from people. Don't, you know, there was something about going into a darkened room where people could breathe on you. I've seen Outbreak. I don't want to go see that. Uh, correction, misbehavior was the last one I saw. Misbehavior. That's misbehavior. That's, that's, that's not so bad. That's that's not so bad. Yeah, that's yeah. not so bad. And that gives us a whole lot more best actress nominees and best supporting actress nominees. Kira Knightley's right up in there. Happy it hasn't days. opened in the states yet. I'm afraid. Oh so damn it! I'm afraid I'm going to have to disqualify misbehavior wow. for misbehaving with the release schedules. Saws. This is from at Andrew Dickens, um, who is a most excellent writer. He has uh, contributed to Empire over the years. What's the best 20-second segment of dialogue to wash your hands to? How many 20-second... Uh, how, how often do you take a stopwatch out to record dialogue? All the freaking time. Really? Wow, Obviously, okay. Mm-hmm. Which is why I have an answer for this question. Straight go on then, hit us with it. Do you? Okay, go ahead. I don't. I was oh. lying. But I like, uh, I like short... Uh, repetitive bits of dialogue something that sticks in my mind I'm terrible at remembering movie dialogue by the mm. way but something like you could probably do I'm one with the force of forces with me I'm one with the force of forces with me just mm-hmm. over and over again until you felt that your hands were, were suitably clean uh, you could also do from Full Metal Jacket you know, this is my rifle there are many like it but this one is mine but that's pretty short a 20 second segment well, of dialogue is actually quite difficult to, to figure out we were told that the James, yes. you know, there's the Benny Gesserit, um, Litany Against Fear. Litany Against Fear will apparently do the job. That will last about 20 seconds. That so that's an option. Yeah. Um, apart from that, I mean, you want a bit of a speech, maybe. I, keep, I don't know why the thing that's coming to mind is the Untouchables and Capone's ah. thing. You well, know, starting with enthusiasm, enthusiasm, and then uh, getting into, I want him dead, I want his family dead. I want his hands washed. I want his fingers <laughs> clean. I want his COVID expunged. All that sort of Very stuff. Good. So, by the way, if anybody doesn't know the litany, I happen to have it here for just this purpose. Um, okay. So the, the Bene Gesserit litany is, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obl- obl- obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. That's about 20 seconds, <laughs> probably. That was pretty good. That was pretty damn good. I enjoyed that. How long is Cap's kind of orders in Avengers? You know, Caps. where he... Where he says orders. we need, yeah. Where he says we, you know, we need eyes in the sky, and he finishes up with Hulk smash. I mean, is that a memorable speech? I don't know. I'm just I, making suggestions. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. I've got one. I've got one. Uh, okay. I don't know if this is going to be 20 seconds or not, but this is a cracking, cracking speech. Uh uh-uh. uh I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six huh? shots or only five? Well, to tell you the <laughs> truth, in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But being this is a jar of Purell hand sanitizer, the most powerful hand sanitizer in the world, and could blow your COVID clean off, you got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, 
punk. That's got to be near 20 seconds, right? That's got to be about right. Of course, you're and better off with just soap, really, Soap, aren't you? yes, I know, yeah. but I, okay. I, yeah, I, I forgot know. what soap was called. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that could work. And, and also, it's dirty, Harry. So you're washing oh, your hands. thematic. To become clean, Harry, and therefore, Corona be gone. Right. That's my feeling on the whole subject. Anyway, Corona be gone. So there you go. Time that at home, folks. It's Clint Eastwood's incredible speech from the original Dirty Harry, which he, of course, says twice in the film. He says it once at the beginning, and then he says it again at the end to Andrew Robertson's Scorpio Killer, but uh, this time with a with a real well of emotion. First time, he's just goofing off. He's just showing off. Hey, look at me. I'm a happy fascist. But the second time around, he's like, no, you're a bad man, and I'm going to kill you. So, spoiler. Spoiler for Dirty Harry. <laughs> oh, oh, what about the um, Indianapolis... Uh, is that right? USS. Well, that feels longer. That's a that's a long speech. Yeah, that yeah, feels long. Yeah. That's a long speech. Like um, Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That's a long speech. Oh, that's really long. Yeah. You know, that's that's a good four and a half minutes easily. Mm. But there could be parts of that. You, know, you could be washing your hands, going, "Fuck you, that's my name," or you know, "Put that coffee down." You could be doing all kinds of things while washing your hands. Uh, Maybe the bit, seconds. just the bit about the prizes, you know. First yes. prize is a Cadillac. Second prize Cadillac is a set of steak knives. Third prize, you're fired. <laughs> Sorry, I love that speech. <laughs> which, which, by the way, is not... I'm, I'm wowing you guys with film facts. Uh, it, you know this, everyone knows this, mm-hmm. but it's not in the play. No. It is, it is not in the Mammoth play. James is wowed by that. I am. This is I my wow face. his face. All right. Well, listen, that's right, enough Captain of that. Holt. That's enough of that. Uh, let's move on. We'll we'll answer some more of your questions next week. Do keep them coming. My DMs are open, but just you know, just uh, re- respond to any tweets I do with questions for the podcast, and we'll do a stockpile. We're stockpiling questions, toilet roll, and tinned food. That's basically what we're doing for the next few weeks. But next, it's time for the movie news, and incredibly, there is some movie news this week. Most of it is of the I've been infected slash I've been pushed back variety. But um, there is still some stuff for us to get our teeth into. Uh, Mm -hmm. Shall we start with the big news that, as James alluded to earlier on, that Universal have obliterated the streaming window. They have obliterated the, uh, the, the... Home Entertainment release window for several of their movies. Uh, So as of right now, you can buy online films that were in the cinema just the other day, including The Hunt, The Invisible Man, and Emma, with Trolls World Tour, the the next one to come uh, when it it was meant to open the cinemas in April. Mm. Now, some people in our uh, line of work have gone, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, this is it for theatrical, this is it for theatrical windows, this is it for cinema as we know it. I don't buy into that. What do you guys think? I also don't buy into that. I just, this is an extraordinary situation. And I think that Universal, who's the studio behind all of these particular releases, has uh, has made the decision to kind of cut their losses a little bit because they would have expected Emma and The Hunt and The Invisible Man, all of which came out in the last, what, three, four weeks, to be in cinemas mm-hmm. for six, eight weeks maybe to come. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a crowded release schedule really with big films coming up. Um, and so they're just trying to, I think, you know, replace some of that lost revenue, which is just gone because cinemas will not reopen and these things will not get another chance in cinemas. Um, Trolls is a bit more interesting on the basis that that is going straight to, to digital. 
Um, but then maybe they kind of expected to, you know, make a huge amount more fighting for a space. Because the other thing is, when this is over, we're going to have too many films fighting for too few slots. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're assuming, let's say, something like Black Widow. I mean, there's so many questions posed by Black Widow going back, which is, I'm sure we're going to get into. But that's going to mm-hmm. need another clear slot at some point in the next in six months in a year and whatever it is um and it's going to be fighting with all of the other delayed films and all of the films that were already booked in for that time you know you risk if you're something like trolls which is kind of a mid-level with all due respect you know it's it risks getting trampled and this way maybe you've got a captive audience at home that can actually Mm -hmm get some entertainment out of it yeah 100 i agree i think i think for all those reasons it's definitely a temporary thing but they're not the only ones doing it like curzon are doing it with theirs no, uh dogs don't look up as i call it uh will be coming out on uh, uh on streaming as well um so not only is that's a misquote as well i love that <laughs> dogs can't look up sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's a misquote and a bad joke but yeah dogs don't wear pants will also be dropping uh on on streaming so i mean yeah i think we'll see more and more of this i mean it makes sense doesn't it like they as Helen as says you can't have a massive traffic jam like whenever if everything comes up when this lifts mm. if this lifts in the foreseeable future are we going to be in isolation for six weeks are we going to be in isolation for six months nobody really knows so you know yeah. i guess we're just gonna have to wing it it makes absolute sense to to you know if if uh you know people can't come to the cinema I'll bring the cinema to the people yeah i think i think it's going to be i mean it's going to be different solutions for different films i think at the moment and i think that's what we're seeing i think we're seeing quite a nuanced response for hollywood and that's why these decisions have kind of been filtering out over over two weeks now right um mm-hmm. and and they've been coming the the i think the smaller studios have been quicker to announce new release dates than the bigger ones because the bigger ones have far more at stake in terms of just dollar value um that's not to say the small films don't matter because i absolutely don't think that um but i but stuff like i mean i think black widow in particular is really interesting and it's i'm really intrigued to see what marvel do here because i think that the new disney plus shows may tie into at least some of these movies. And if they do, does the Disney Plus schedule change as Ooh. well as the studio? Almost changes? certainly, not least because I imagine filming will be suspended on those Film, shows. Yeah, filming obviously also anyway. suspended. I mean, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we know, has mm. already been suspended. So that that's another factor. But, you know, even if those shows are pretty much ready to go, do they now have to wait because they have to come after the Eternals or they have to come after Black Widow or whatever else? Do, if you're Marvel, do you move Black Widow to the Eternal slot and move everything back six months? Or are there reasons for, you know, which make that impossible? Honestly, I, I think everything's up in the air. And I get the impression, and this is not coming from, you know, inside knowledge, but I get the impression from just stuff I've been reading that all of the studios consider all of their big films right now to be up in the air. I think everything in the next year and a half right now could shift anywhere. I think stuff that was booked in for next summer could shift to make the room for stuff that was booked in for mm. nowish. I, I I don't think there's a, a single 2020 2021 release date that is qu- qu- carved in yeah. stone right now and um it makes for interesting times if you're trying to put a magazine <laughs> yeah, together, I imagine. But I haven't had to make those but decisions, it's also like, thank God. Productions have shut down. There will be a hole in the schedule coming up, you know, and they're going to need to fill that as well. So actually pushing stuff back kind of works on a lot of levels. But um, mm. yeah. It really does. 
I Yeah, I don't think the sky is falling with this. And even if it did mean the end of the theatrical window, I think that the theatrical experience still means an awful lot to a lot of people. Uh, and the cinema would survive um, mm-hmm. in some way or f- in, in some shape or form as well. But this has actually, in a weird way, been long overdue. There are lots of films that come out theatrically that don't get a huge release. And people would actually have liked to be able to... You know, you, you try try finding a cinema, for example. The Hunt opened last week, and I imagine around the country it was quite hard to find a cinema showing The Hunt, irrespective of whether you could actually go to the cinema because of Corona. So the idea that you you could go on if you're living in somewhere that uh, you know that that is miles away from a multiplex, you can you can log on, you can watch this thing for a bit of a premium. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. be fair. It's nine ninety nine over here. Uh, nineteen ninety nine in the states, uh, which is more expensive than it would be to go to most cinemas. Mm. Um, but of I course, there could is, be five of you in the room, so at, at that point, you're quite in again. Uh, with Corona, <laughs> you should you should all be self isolating, uh, as as we are. But this is a canary down the coal mine situation. I do not see. Although I will say, I will with the, I will caveat this with this question came up last week do you think a studio will bite the bullet and put things on streaming and we poo-pooed it and went nope and then within like two days universal <laughs> had done that so everything's changing everything is shifting we don't know this this is an unprecedented situation so we don't know what will happen uh, but i would be amazed if the huge films the big blockbusters the ones that need hundreds of millions of dollars not just to uh to, to just to break even um go on streaming because even then they would need huge huge numbers i saw people saying this week oh if they just stick black widow on disney plus they'll get loads of subscriptions yeah but they might not get the number of subscriptions they they would need i saw i read a piece today by david poland who's a a very very good uh industry film journalist and a very very good box office prognosticator he's very good at crunching numbers and he was basically saying that they would need 18 million people to sign up just to watch black widow alone and that Netflix has never had more than 16 million people sign up in a single quarter. So you're you're talking about numbers that are unprecedented in themselves. So I don't see that happening. I also see I see studios trying to preserve the theatrical experience if I'm quite honest yeah. with you. And yeah. films like Black Widow, No Time to Die, Fast and Furious 9, and Wonder Woman 1984 which hasn't moved back at the time of recording and we hope doesn't move back as well. Because if it doesn't move back that means we're all going to be uh you know, breathing free air, fresh air, and hugging each other in a couple of months' time. We'll be face licking, tongue kissing, all the great cool stuff. Um, oh my God, I vote not to. <laughs> Helen has voted to self isolate <laughs> until Wonder Woman 1984 is on DVD. I don't think those movies are going to come out in the, uh, in, uh, on digital. No, I think I think you're right. I think that the economics for the huge movies doesn't work out. But for the smaller ones, it may be more marginal. And that's where there may be some interesting. Uh, discoveries here, I guess, for some of those movies, which which could see more of them being released digitally or not. But then the other thing is, it's it's hard to know if you are a, a filmmaker or a studio releasing your small movie right now, and then let's say it does well, it's hard to know what that means for the future because these are extraordinary times, and people are obviously spending more time streaming than they otherwise would, which is why everybody's internet is creaking, and so does that mean that if you were to release your next film in two years? In the same way, it might not do quite as well. Um, mm. So you know, it's it's hard to know how much how much of a a lesson this can really provide because it is so particular. At least I hope it's particular. I hope it's not the new normal forever and ever because uh, that would be really boring. Well, I mean, the plus side to this is <laughs> at least for people in America, Corona takes on a sort of golden glow as they can watch the 
masterpiece of this Vin Diesel's bloodshot from the comfort of their own homes from next week. I mean, no, that is that yeah. is a bonus. Yeah, that is pretty fantastic. What a cracking film to do. Uh, extraordinary times, of course, call for extraordinary measures. And so my film of the week is Extraordinary Measures, the Brendan Fraser, <laughs> Harrison Ford movie from 2010 that I thought was Extreme Measures, the <laughs> Hugh Grant, <laughs> Gene Hackman movie. And I realised I've never actually seen Extraordinary Measures. Has anyone seen this? Oh, I don't think I have either. No. Yeah. Wow. Extreme Measures isn't that good either. I just, I just no, thought it mentioned no, it. No, it wasn't. Um, okay. There has been other movie news as well this week. We, we mentioned Jared Leto and his incredible, <laughs> his incredible hiatus in the uh, in the desert. Uh, God bless him. <laughs> it's, just, it's the most Jared Leto th- thing that has ever happened. I mean, it's it's more Jared Leto than when he carried his own severed head to the Met Ball. It's the it's just the most. It's amazing. Yeah, God knows what he's going to send the, the uh, coronavirus in the post. God knows. Um, yeah. But yes, we, we talked about Black Widow has moved back. That mm-hmm. is one of the biggest release date shifts, certainly for the last week or so. Black Widow has moved back, but it has not been given a new date as far as I'm aware. No. Well, nor has Mulan, right? Um, Good point. You know, I think Bond pretty quickly plumped for a date, which was kind of a, a normal-ish Bond date anyway. Anyway, I think everyone else, that's what I'm saying, everyone else is kind of waiting to see what sort of time frame we're looking at, whether the experts think there will be a second wave of this thing. Uh, I think they're holding their cards very, very close to their chest and they're not plumping for a release date yet. And I imagine also that there is frenzied negotiation going on between the studios to try and mitigate the knock-on effect of this somewhat. So, yeah, I think there's a lot. There is. There's a lot. There's a lot to carry on with. Um, Jimbo, what do you feel about Black Widow being pushed back? Uh, I feel sad for many, many reasons, mainly because I want to see it. Uh, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) it's purely selfish reasons, as I think everyone will. We we all want to see these films, and we're not going to be able to see these films. But I don't know that I want my first experience of Black Widow to be in my living room. I mean, I have a pretty good TV and a pretty good sound system, but even then, I want to see Black Widow in the cinema. I really do. And if it means waiting six months to see it, I'm prepared to make that particular sacrifice. Um, There are certain films that I just don't... You know, I could only only imagine sort of watching for the first time on the big screen, uh, and all Mm. MCU films are among those. Can you imagine if this had happened last year at this time... Um, oh, God. And can you imagine if we'd had to oh, wait for oh, Endgame? Don't even say things like that, Helen. <laughs> it, it always gives me palpitations. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I would have flipped out. I would yeah. have absolutely flipped out. Uh, I would have gone full Liam Neeson and taken. Oh, and by the way, that's probably a good twenty-second speech as well. <laughs> you know, know who you yes. are. Find you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. Uh, that's probably a really good twenty-second speech as well. But I would have absolutely fucking. I would. I would have gone ballistic on on COVID. I would have hunted it down. I would have. I would have reduced it to its uh, to vapor uh, to its component parts and I would have single-handedly saved the world just so I could watch Avengers Endgame <laughs> or Hooray. die trying one of the two well definitely one of the two I <laughs> one of the two <laughs> <laughs> bookies are heavily favoring the latter um, but yeah it's 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 absolutely wild what is happening right now in terms of its impact uh, obviously as we said lots of cinemas have had to close um and that's probably going to happen on both sides of the Atlantic as well. And of course, all across the world, you know, China and Italy and everywhere that's been really affected by the COVID. Um, it's it's an absolutely mad and terrifying situation. Um, and uh, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson seem yes. to be doing well. Yes, indeed. Yes, they seem to be, yes, they seem to be recovering. 
Um, it's it, A lot of celebrities have announced that they've been diagnosed with it, which means that if you're famous, you can apparently get a test, huh. which is super good, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, Idris Elba um, has has been infected um, and uh, mm. other people as well. So and have, you know, come out and encourage people to, you know, follow the guidance and isolate and just try and stop the th- spread of this thing. So it can we can keep it at a manageable level, and so we don't run out of ICU beds, and so that people survive it. Or Toblerones, of course. That's that's my other priority. It's like number two, one Toblerones, number two ICU beds for those who need them. Yeah. We should probably talk about one other slightly more serious bit of news. Uh, one that can probably yeah. be best summed up by the hashtag "release the butthole cut." So <laughs> Ben Meckler tweeted earlier this week that he he tweeted i desperately need a tell-all book about the making of cats it could really help me get through this to which writer jack waz replied a vfx producer friend of a friend was hired in november to finish some of the 400 effect shots in cats his entire job was to remove cgi buttholes that had been inserted a few months before which means that somewhere out there there exists a butthole cut of cats (laughs) Sorry. I mean, and also on someone's cutting room floor is a whole load of cat buttholes. Um, well, okay, so I read a follow-up tweet to this, which is a bit of a downer, I'm afraid. There's no butthole Which basically cut. said, there is no butthole no! Basically, it wasn't strictly buttholes. It was that the groom of the fur inadvertently gave the impression of buttholes. Sure. But it I was mean, not actually an animated butthole. We, we still haven't seen cats, right? We, we've managed to avoid that. No, maybe we should watch that together as a group. Maybe we'll maybe do that we as one of our Empire movie nights. In isolation. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do Cats as a movie night, um, and then <laughs> no followers left at that point. Uh, maybe we should do Cats as a spoiler special. Uh, <laughs> I, genuinely, I want to see that film and get mm-hmm. Tom Hooper in and just go, what the fuck were you thinking? Honestly, what's what's going on? Was it the point, Tom, when you realised that there were potentially things in your movie that looked like cat anuses that you thought well maybe maybe i've made a boo-boo here maybe i've made the wrong choice as a director i don't know better a boo-boo than a poo-poo so oh i guess yeah. that's what absolutely right about that uh, release the butthole cut release the snyder cut release all the cuts put the buttholes in the snyder cut i don't care just release everything the put the buttholes in the snyder cut the replies to the release the butthole cut tweet are extraordinary someone's here saying i worked for disney many years ago and we made a grave mistake of printing thousands of marketing pieces where mickey had a butt crack they made us destroy all of it because in quotes mickey doesn't have a butt so you know yeah he does apparently not apparently How does mickey not shit? he doesn't if he shit. doesn't have a butt doesn't. he doesn't he's like mickey the queen shits. <laughs> James, I've got news Wait. for you. You wonder where all the toilet roll's gone? It's in Buckingham Palace. How dare you? I imagine someone at some point probably had to airbrush out his steamboat, Willie. <laughs> wow. This is a very sexual episode. Isn't it? Um, is it? <laughs> it's because we're all stuck at home wanking in our offices, unable really to go is. into the office. Um, um, excuse me, what? I agree with that far too quickly. <laughs> I didn't realise that you were going to say, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And you were like, wanking. I was like, nope, nope. No, thank you. No wanking on the Empire podcast. Uh, but give it, give it, give it six weeks. It's going to be, it's going to be like Tugapalooza in this place. Um, <laughs> just, oh just a mere thought of human contact. I'll be watching. I'll be watching videos of people shaking hands on the internet. That'll be getting me off. Anyway, like oh, actual contact. Oh my god. 
Uh, and then the last thing we're going to discuss this week is an actual bit of honest-to-goodness movie news because movies are still being developed and may even one day, your God be willing, be made. Uh, this movie is Scream 5, or a reboot of Scream, which will be directed by Radio Silence, who are the brilliant team behind Ready or Not. Ooh. Discuss. Yeah, so Scream 4 was not exactly beloved, I feel. I think they were so. I think it's it's decent. It's fine, but it's not like it didn't, you know, it didn't give you that shock to the system that Scream 1 or 2 did. And so what you want is that kind of shock that you got from those films. Um that just, you know, the shock of something new, the shock of something clever, the shock of something that took a different approach and had a different feel to what we'd seen before. And in a weird way, Ready or Not actually kind of provided that. So I, I have hopes for this. I think this could be a really good match of director and subject. Um, but yeah, I imagine they won't call it Scream 5 because I don't think they'll want to draw attention to Scream 4 in the same way that they won't call Indiana Jones 5 Indiana Jones 5 by the time it comes out because there wasn't a 4 and it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they would just call this Indiana Jones 4, right? Just, just get it over and done with. I guess, but I think because people think that there is one, it might be confusing, you know. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, they may not call it Scream 5 because it might be a reboot, but it, it, even if it is a reboot, it would actually kind of make sense within the continuity of the franchise to call it a reboot while still calling it a Scream 5 in a weird, perverse kind of way. It depends if any of the original cast are in it. Uh, and that's actually one of the reasons why I liked Scream 4. It had mm. problems. But I quite like the, tw- you know, the not the twist at the end, but the way that the uh, the original cast asserted themselves over the 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 younger cast. Uh, Nev Campbell's "Don't fuck with the originals" line uh, at the end uh, <laughs> it still makes me laugh. Well, I mean, it's a great vampire spin-off, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, all right. Well, that's it, Jimbo. Anything to say on that? Are you anything? Any other bits of movie news that you want to talk about before we move on? New Empire. There oh, yes. is a new empire. <laughs> That's news, isn't it? Genuinely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, you remember? We did. I'd even written it down. Yes, a new issue of Empire is on sale. Uh, it is on sale right now. Uh, my copy's at the Empire office, so that's miles away now. But uh, it is available digitally as well, and it's available in all good and evil news agents, while, of course, they stay open. And supermarkets, if you're going to go to a supermarket and uh, you're fed up of watching people tear each other to ribbons uh, over some Andrax over some Andrex, then go to the newsagent section and pick up the new issue of Empire. But it's also available digitally and you can subscribe as well. Listen, I'll give you the big spiel at the end, but Helen, what's inside it? Well, um, we open, or the cover feature rather, is Black Widow, which I went on set of and then talked to everybody else about afterwards as well. So um, I've talked to uh, Scarlett Hansen, of course. I've talked to Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, David Harbour, uh, the director, Kate Shortland, um, and got the whole lowdown on that. Um, and that's all in there and with some very, very cool picks. So it's a good thing we won't have to wait long to see that. But this, um, is, a good, this is a good thing because now you're... Peace is going to be the definitive word on that movie until it comes out in 2027. <laughs> for months and, and months, yeah. People will, it'll become a museum piece. People will walk around. People will visit for miles around. Yeah. They're wearing hazmat suits, obviously. Obviously. And they will, they will pour over everything in that going, oh, who could David Harbour be playing? Who is the Taskmaster? All who these questions. Who is the Taskmaster? Yes. This question remains unanswered. Spoiler. Yeah. Yes. And... Um, uh, you know, and yeah. it's a really, really good piece. And yes, unfortunately, we were hit as well by the uh, by the Black Widow 
postponement, shall mm. we say. Um, but it's still a fantastic piece and it's a really, really great issue. There's a lot of very, very good stuff inside. Yeah, we also have, um, <laughs> speaking of postponed films, uh, the article in The New Mutants, huh. um, which will never oh. come out. Now, that one I can see, by the way, going straight to Disney Plus, but you yes. know. Um, but yeah, that's that's very cool. We have John Turturro talking about um, uh, his Jesus. Um, yep, the Jesus you wrote roles. about yeah, you wrote about Gremlins too, Chris. Tell me about I that. I did. That's I a great did. film. Uh, but yes, Gremlins too, Helen. Thank you very much for asking and setting that up organically. Um, it's one of my favorite <laughs> films, and it's. 30 years old this year and wow. it is alarmingly prescient in so many, many ways. Uh, and uh, so I spoke to Joe Dante. I spoke to Michael Fennell, the producer. I spoke to the writer, Charlie Haas. I spoke to two members of the cast. I spoke to Zach Galligan, who of course plays Billy Pelter. And I spoke mm-hmm. to John Glover, who I've hey, long wanted yes. to interview, who plays Daniel Clamp, who is their kind of Donald Trump type figure in the movie, but actually yeah. turns out to be not as incompetent and more heroic than, <laughs> than Donald Trump has been. He's so good in that. He's great. He's absolutely fantastic. And um, and it was just a lot of fun. And we, so we presented it as the 30 Reasons Why We Love Gremlins 2. And uh, so all my favorite in-jokes, all my favorite little background jokes. Uh, one of the lines I've been quoting most, I quote it all the time, but it's um, when Billy takes Gizmo into the bathroom, not for sex, right, uh, at the beginning of the movie. And a guy leaves the bathroom but because it's a, it, the Clamp Center is a smart building. It talks to people. And so a voice booms out the loudspeakers as a man leaves he goes hey pal i sure hope you wash those hands and that's advice we can all take to heart wow so timely um yeah we've also got features on uh terry notary uh, talking about his amazing kind of performance capture mm. work um on the assistant which sadly we were going to see this week and now or not um Bart the Bear. Now, this is really exciting. I haven't have to say I haven't read this yet myself, but uh, an Alaskan Kodiak bear, which is the largest type of bear, even bigger than a polar bear, um, called <laughs> Bart, appeared in a bunch of Hollywood movies. He acted with mm-hmm. all the greats. Mm. He did. Um, Brad Pitt, Anthony Hopkins, John Candy, and more. One man um, can do, another can do. Yes, indeed, he was the he was the bear in the edge. Yes, he was. Wow, it's actually a really good feature. That it's well worth mm. uh, worth looking and remembering. It is, in fact, a Kodiak moment. Oh no! <gasps> oh, that joke suffered a grisly fate. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's right, Chris, because the Kodiak is a subspecies of the grizzly. Um, so you're that's a subspecies. 100%. Oh, Helen, uh, I hope I hope that would have given you pause, but alas, no. Do they no. have pause? Of course yes. they do. Bear paws. Oh, yeah, I suppose. It's also a delicious pastry. <laughs> and less, less likely to maul the shit out of it. Isn't that a bear claw? Yeah. Possibly. It shit. Is a bear claw. What yeah, but you a get a claw on the end of your paw. Like, they talk about bear claws in American films. I've ne- I don't know what a bear claw is. I've never seen one. I've never eaten one. It's just a big pastry. It's not very nice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, Fair it's enough. not the best. Like, all pastries are basically nice. It's no it's cinnamon swirl, one. is what you're saying. Oh, oh, what is though? Oh. Cinnamon swirl. Maybe I should do some baking while I'm here Can you, in isolation. Oh, send some baked goods. <laughs> yeah, yes, like a with a side package. order of germs. Yeah. Um, it, and we also, yeah. of course, Chris, you also talked to Tom Cruise in this issue, which I feel oh, yeah. like you should probably mention. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's tons of great stuff inside this issue. Um, oh yeah, of course, there's, there's loads of great stuff inside the issue. Um, Dan Jolin spoke to Steven Soderbergh about The Limey, which is one of my favourite Steven Soderbergh films, and turns out Dan's as well. Uh, and also, yes, I spoke to Thomas uh, Cruz Maypother IV uh, about 
Top Gun Maverick, which, as things stand, once again, we have to say, is still scheduled to come out this summer. Corona notwithstanding, of course. And uh, we had a good old natter, did Tom and I, about Top Gun uh, 2 and about his reasons for doing Top Gun 2 after all these years and about the incredible aerial sequences that he has been personally overseeing and designing. Huh. I also spoke to Jerry Bruckheimer as well for that piece. And it's just a small piece. It's a it's a soupçon. It's a, it's a taster of what will come uh, when I get my hands uh, eventually on the Top Gun Maverick feature, which will be down the line. Hopefully not mm. too... Far mm. down the line, but Fingers yes, uh, Tom was uh, as fun and ebullient, and uh, just just yeah, he's just overflowing with enthusiasm for for this movie and for cinema mm. uh, in general. Um, so yes, pick that up; it is a belter. Also that. inside that issue, I review the Mandalorian. Uh, which obviously drops on Disney Plus next week. One of the other things uh, we didn't talk about in news, we did unfortunately discover, is that The Mandalorian will not be dropping all in one go, as we'd hoped it would. It will be going out episode by episode, which is a shame for those of us in isolation who were quite wanting to listen to it. Um, The first two episodes will drop week one, and then it's going to be one a week thereafter. Uh, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, but yes, I do review The Mandalorian in the new issue of the magazine, and you can read that and enjoy it. And think of it in many ways uh, as a preview of the longer review of The Mandalorian, which I'll be doing on the Pilot TV podcast, which will go out as normal on Monday. Oh, God, I was hoping that this might not carry on anymore in the in the midst of this crisis. Come for Corona. <laughs> My little podcast would be derailed by the killer virus. But oh. no, 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 no. It persists. no. Nevertheless. Oh, no, it, it does persist. It's, it's unkillable. <laughs> scientists are trying to find a vaccine for the Pilot TV podcast, but so far they're, they're not coming up Trump's. Yeah, it's like super gonorrhea. <laughs> you can't get rid of it. <laughs> Allegedly. So I've heard. I've read. Um, but it's. Um, uh, I should also point out, James, whilst we're uh, boasting about Mandalorian podcast, that we will be doing Mandalorian spoiler specials uh, yes. on our spoiler special subscription channel as well. Um, so if you want to hear us talking about each, I guess we'll we'll probably do it episode by episode. I was going to wait until because I thought they were all going to drop on Didn't we all? Wednesday. Mm. I thought they were all going to drop on Wednesday, so we were going to watch them all. Uh, I've seen a bunch because I did the feature. You've seen them all because you reviewed it, but I'm not sure that everyone else has. And uh, we were going to wait for them all to drop. We were going to watch them, and then we were going to do a spoiler special in one go, so to speak. But we might do them episode by episode because, you know, content and all that stuff. Uh, But we'll see how that goes. Uh, It's a great issue. It is a fantastic issue. And, Mm. um, you know, I have to say that we are uh, Empire at the moment, as things stand. We're luckier than most. You know, we have... We are going to continue to produce Empire Magazine. We're going to continue to produce the Empire Podcast. Um, We're going to continue, of course, to to cope with all the challenges that this is throwing at us uh, almost on an hourly basis as well. I know that we all have pressing matters to deal with, but please do try and support us over the coming weeks and months. If you don't already subscribe to the magazine, uh, then please do so. It is available, as I said earlier on, digitally on Jimbo is on Google Play. It's on uh, Apple. It's on where is this? Everywhere. It's, uh, it's on uh, Apple News Plus. It's it's all over the place. You can find it in many digital places, wherever many, you get many your digital, digital magazines. <laughs> Indeed, and uh, you know subscriptions are great as well uh, in this day and age when there may no longer be news agents, but they may be closed temporarily. Of course, uh, a subscription guarantees that Empire Magazine is in your hands 
every month, sometimes before it even hits the shops, folks. And so if you want a nice magazine delivered to your house, uh, rather than having to risk it at the supermarket, we also do print subscriptions. Uh, there's a link at empireonline.com and also go to greatmagazines.co.uk. And I have to say, we would have also appreciate it if you did consider subscribing to our spoiler special channel as well we are continuing to put content up there throughout the great freeze this week alone saw spoiler specials go up for the invisible man with lee wanell and onward with director dan scanlon and producer Corey ray uh, also but we're planning loads of stuff going over the next few weeks we will finally be putting up those marvel cinematic universe early spoiler specials for the first six movies that we haven't done spoiler specials for they're finally going to go up uh we've also done uh Karen Hardy and I did an impromptu commentary for Darkman. There's going to be the Mandalorian spoiler specials as well. There's going to be tons of stuff coming onto our spoiler special channel over the next few months as well. So do please, if you can, subscribe to that also. And as a special gesture, we are going to be making some of the most beloved spoiler special episodes free for the duration of this crisis, inspired by our good friends uh, Dave and Kathy at the Cinemile, who did something very, very similar with some of their Patreon episodes recently. Uh, so we're going to be putting up things like, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to be choosing things like the Macquarie Mission Impossible spoiler specials, the uh, epic four-hour Avengers Endgame spoiler specials. But if you have something, if you have a favourite, we're not going to be putting up too many, obviously, but uh, if you have a favourite that you want us to consider, let me know, and we'll see what we can do there as well. Um, uh, if you want to subscribe to the Spoiler Special channel, go to glow.fm forward slash Empire Magazine, uh, and then follow the very simple instructions, which are also in my pinned tweet on Twitter, at Chris Hewitt. Right, I think that's pretty much it. That was somehow right. a, a, a plug for the magazine that didn't include the phrase, pay my wages, you absolute motherfuckers. But I think I've put that on hold for the next couple of months. Wow, so that's that's wonderful chris pay um, helen's wages you absolute motherfuckers <laughs> all right so uh time now for this week's guest because we do have a guest uh it was meant to be sam riley uh star of radioactive the marie curie film but uh that has uh, gone back uh so i've uh, held off the sam riley interview as well but thankfully fafarium is out next week on digital they're going to continue on with that release and it is a dark sci-fi tale starring Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots as a couple who go to see a dream house and find themselves trapped in it for reasons that I won't go into uh, in case of spoilers. But Jesse Eisenberg came into London uh, a few weeks ago and I spoke to him about that, about Zombieland, about finding fame, about his writing process, uh, and he was brilliant and hilarious and witty and insightful and all the things. And uh, I should point out as well that we did this in his hotel room, which is an Empire podcast first never done that before uh gone to Ian McKellen's house for a podcast interview but never someone's hotel room and there were far fewer dead people than I was expecting so here you go me and Jesse Eisenberg enjoy we are delighted to be joined on the Emperor podcast by the star of Ethereum, Jesse Eisenberg. How are you, sir? Hi, great. Great to see you again. Uh, likewise, likewise. And th honestly, this Jesse, I'll, I'll be honest, this is the first. This is the first time we've ever done an interview. The Empire Podcast, I, I did an interview once at Ian McKellen's house in his living room. Oh, really? And I brought this equipment and I set up and that was pretty awesome because yeah, yeah. we were surrounded by, you know, all his books, all his history. Mm. I've never done one in a movie star's hotel room before. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm, I'm I guess, creeped out. 
uh, very yeah. creeped out because yeah. you didn't expect to see me here, and, and here I am. Yeah, and why did you bring all your stuff and lay it around my bed and dirty clothes on a pile in the corner of the room? Yes, the dirty clothes are mine. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to get the laundry done for free. Yeah, yeah. Ian mentioned you would do something like that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, word gets around about me. <laughs> oh, that Empire podcast gentleman, he's going to bring his laundry. It's going right. to be right. it's a beautiful description. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is not what I was expecting. Which if I'm part? honest, the hotel room because Which it's actually way? it's tidy and you know you know you're a Hollywood type and mm-hmm. I would have expected at least one dead body and a TV being catapulted out the window. I'm from New York City. This is like a cavernous place. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have a hotel routine? What's your? What, do you have uh, when you when you check in? Mm-hmm. Do you go through a little checklist in your head? Do you do you just dump no. your stuff and then? Move yeah, on? yeah. I, I travel as lightly as you can. I wear the same thing pretty much every single day, and um, uh, so I. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I don't have a routine because I don't have any kind of, um, uh, uh, I don't have any needs to look any better than I currently do. <laughs> You're looking fine though. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> I often say that to people in hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking fine though. You're yeah. looking fine. You're looking fine. Jesse yeah, yeah. Eisenberg. Um, uh, you're here obviously to talk about Favarium. Um, mm-hmm. now, be honest, you're you're a smart guy. You've written stuff. Okay. You know your way around the world. Sure. When you got the script, did you Google what the title meant, or did you know already? Oh, I Google it every like few months because I keep forgetting. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a it's like a terrarium. Or it's like a, a a place to observe human life. Is that to what observe it is? Or yes. life, not human yes. life? Yes, to observe life. life. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, which is exactly right because I googled it this afternoon, okay, okay, and so, uh, yeah. you're, you're pretty much on the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a very—I mean, this is a mindfuck of a film. Yeah. Um, was that what appealed to you when you're reading the script? You don't know where the hell this thing's going to go. Yes, and also the fact that it's not like a very—it's not like a kind of obvious commentary on like the suburbs. I thought it's just this incredibly, you know, um, brilliant surrealist movie i looked at it like um like the movies i studied in college like uh, you know because i took like surrealism and cinema courses which infuse mm-hmm. kind of like early movies by Boonwell and man ray with like um freudian psychology and that's what this movie really is i mean it's about you know this couple who aspires to like a normal suburban life mm-hmm. and to have a children and to buy a house and then the the boy is like this kind of parasitic oedipal terror yeah Yeah. and um the house becomes this kind of like uh you know literally life-sucking you know horror for these people in the same way you know when you buy a house you know you're kind of indebted to it literally and yeah yeah yeah. spiritually and so um i saw it as just this wonderful surrealist movie that you know gets at all the anxieties we feel about making these big life decisions yeah Uh, what sort of conversations did you have with the the director i just kept asking him how the hell are you going to make this because (laughs) I've worked on like, you know, big movies and small movies and I have a general sense of how kind of the process of making a, an ambitious movie works. And like yeah. in the script, it's described that there's like an endless, um, um, an endless stream of the same house. Yeah. And um, then, you know, the characters get swallowed through the through the uh, street. And so I know this is kind of like an expensive movie to make, but I knew that they were trying to make it on kind of a modest budget. So I just kept asking him, how are you going to like engineer this? And it was really interesting to watch because every shot was designed specifically to accommodate that particular shot. So if it was the two of us having a conversation, the camera would be on you and the three facades of the houses that they had built would be behind your head. And then if the camera was on me, they'd have to switch around the entire set. So normally when you film a movie, you can very quickly change oh, wow. the camera from you to me. Yeah. But in this, it every shot had to be kind of engineered in this very complicated way in order to um, make it look quite simple. And so... Uh, there was just an unbelievable amount of technical wizardry that went into this movie. 
Oh my god. Yeah, because there's a there is a shot where your character Tom climbs onto a roof, and we don't want to get too much of the spoilers, obviously. Yeah. But climbs onto a roof, it's and we preview. see, it's yeah. In the, yeah, it's in the yeah, trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Most things are in they've the already trailer. given it away. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so there it is, and it's this incredible shot. And uh, what were you looking at at that point? Was it just green screen, and then they just dropped the rest? Yeah, in? it was just yeah, it's a green screen, and they said just look at the blue X, and you know, imagine this world. Um, but even more bizarre than that is my character spends the entire movie digging this hole on the yeah. front lawn of the house and the hole that we filmed was like uh about like six inches deep um and so i had like a half of a i had like a tiny shovel like to make it look like i was holding the whole shovel there was just every single shot required this like unbelievable amount of um wizardry to make it look you know kind of simple <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty impressive yeah uh, i imagine you know you've 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 as you say you've you've done big big effects movies does that prepare you the, the likes of of Batman Superman or or Zombieland does that prepare you or now you see me does that prepare you for a movie like this where it is your imagination or do you go, even go back to those early classes those surrealist classes and, and use your imagination to fill in the blanks yeah but I do I, I feel like I can speak for every actor when I say that like regardless of the amount of movies you do when you show up on some of these sets regardless of how many times you've seen it it's incredible you know the fact that they you know build these full houses you know for something that's ultimately going to be rendered two-dimensional um and in a small screen you know is just amazing to me so to be on a set like this even though you know it was like a smaller movie it was just every day kind of like shocking that somebody actually put the effort into this and (laughs) built it i feel the same way about doing off-broadway plays though in new york like you know i wrote a play that took place in a a friend of mine's apartment and the set designer Derek McLean, like one of those great set designers, went to my friend's apartment and then had like a team of, you know, you know, 20 people building the set to make it look like my friend's apartment. It's endlessly shocking for me. I'm not starstruck by anybody or impressed with like the amount of money people spend on things. But just seeing these sets are, is just always uh, kind of a shock. <laughs> as, as a writer yourself, does that make it harder or easier to impress you with a script? Are you are you rewriting in your head as you as you read stuff? No, I think because I I know how hard it is to like complete something that I have a kind of like, a, I kind of have a like a, have a sympathy for the process, you know, and also it makes me want to um, interfere less. Before I had my plays produced, I felt like a, basically a, a, sometimes a, an occasional need to like exercise my own creative ideas onto somebody else's stuff. But now that I've had like my own stuff done, I don't feel that need as much because like, um, I get my fulfillment from my own stuff on, out on, you know, uh, out. And so like when I'm working on somebody else's thing, I like kind of fully immersing myself in their idea, especially if it's a movie like Vivarium, which is something mm. I never in a million years would conceive of. If I were to write a thousand movie scripts, I never would conceive of something like this. That's interesting because it, it does seem, you know, obviously there's the, the, the big blockbuster stuff, but it seems that you're drawn us also to smaller movies, more intimate movies, character driven movies, and also yeah. quite frankly, mind fucks as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. watching this, it's not the same, but it put me in mind of Richard Iowati's The Double, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which is again, British movie, crazy film. This is an Irish movie, obviously, but you know, it's a, it's yeah. a crazy, crazy crazy film and is that more in line with your own sensibilities things yes. like that yes i mean this movie uh, the double you mentioned and this other movie the art of self defense yes uh, are like i would say if i could continue doing anything i wanted to i'd do movies like this because um there's something about the surrealist nature of those movies that allows me to fully feel i don't know immersed it's like um you almost don't have to like 
when you're doing something that's more naturalistic, you're a little more self-conscious because you're aware of every little inaccuracy. So when you're doing like a naturalistic movie, you have a sense that this wasn't entirely accurate because I know what it should look like. Whereas doing mm. a movie that takes place in this surreal, removed world, it feels fully creative. You know, it's like mm. the equivalent of like putting a mask on and doing the job. So you're kind of not really playing yourself in a way. I would just love to do things like that, but they so rarely come along or when they do come along, oftentimes they feel like a little film schoolish, more experimental and not really great. Whereas Vivarium and Art of Self-Defense and The Double are really sophisticated versions of that kind of genre. It's just, it's hard to, hard to find stuff like that, I would say. I guess it's a balance, isn't it? You know, if you, if a lot of actors say, I'll do one for me, mm. one for them, that yeah. kind of thing. So is something, and this is not to, you know, denigrate a bigger likes movie. of, you know, a bigger yeah. movie than Now You See Me or, or whatever, yeah. but it, when you're doing one of those, does it facilitate, in a way, the art of self-defense or a fafarium down the line for you? Like, I think so, but I don't know any actor that actually kind of thinks of it that way because you can never predict what's going to be very popular. Sometimes yeah. they make a big movie and it just it doesn't work for a million reasons. In fact, it oftentimes it's more often than not that a movie just doesn't connect with an audience or whatever. Yeah, or, sure. or when you're doing a bigger movie, there's so many elements that a few are bound to fall apart and so the movie doesn't really work or whatever. But um, but it does, yeah, I mean, it's just a very strange job in the sense that you can kind of be in both of those things and they in some ways facilitate each other because of, you know, we're in an industry, we're in an industry wherein so much money is spent on these movies, even a small movie, that they kind mm -hmm. of require people who are popular to be in them. So it's important to be in these popular things as well. But I don't know, I find like um, being in popular things things sometimes there's no creative compromise i mean i was in like the one of the biggest movies ever made batman versus superman sounds like it's like going to be this crass you know um kind of commercial thing and a part of it is but like in terms of my role in it it couldn't be more interesting and probing you know that you know it's a character with like deep psychosis mm. and it's written by this brilliant guy chris terrio who understands psychosis and was bringing you know kind of you know the most interesting probing um allusions in it so uh to it so um so it didn't feel like there was any kind of creative compromise or that this is you know one to facilitate yeah. others it's not like you're not it's not like you're phoning it in you're 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 putting in yeah. the same work on batman superman as as you would on to yeah, in terms exactly. of the character work oh, and the character 100%. texture and yes yes things exactly. like that <laughs> which yeah. is which is cool i mean I, I and then with something like that when you are pitched to batman versus superman and you're told here's a multi-character arc and you're going to come back and then maybe that doesn't quite happen mm, yeah i think i don't know if they're even making this yeah. other movie yeah is that so? How do you feel about that? You know, I, at, at this I, point I, I'm a, I'm a paranoid, pessimistic person. So anytime <laughs> anything good happens, it's like an amazing surprise. Yeah, this is the only way to have a life in the arts is to be paranoid and pessimistic. <laughs> Because if you're anything but that, you're going to be disappointed. It's like a very unstable industry that's is beholden to a fickle audience. Mm -hmm. So the only way to treat it to stay sane is to be paranoid and, and, and pessimistic. And did you come into the business with this mindset? I came into the world with this mindset. <laughs> I come from a long line of paranoid pessimists. If you, you know, go back to any kind of, you know, Jewish literature, it's people, you know, kind of worried and planning for the future. Yep. They get kicked out of their countries and they, mm -hmm. you know, have to prepare, you know, um, so yeah, of course, of course, of course. It's, <laughs> and, you know, I think Woody Allen said something like, you know, 
to trust the paranoid person nine times out of ten they're correct <laughs> yeah they told me they'd say that um and, oh. and, 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 and <laughs> moving forward into i mean are you writing at the moment i notice there's a laptop over there are you are yes you... but there's so many things you could do with a computer these days but um, this is true yeah. this is true that doesn't necessarily mean you're writing stuff but... yeah no no no. I have, a, I have a book coming out in uh god in in and soon in two months or something which is um it's actually for audible uh so oh, okay. I do a part in it. Finn Wolfhard does a part in it, and Caitlin Deaver does the other part in it. So it's a good cast, and it's essentially a novel, but read. And then um, I'm writing, directing, and acting in an episode of Modern Love, which is an Amazon Fantastic. show, for, and we're doing it in Sarajevo. Um, and then I wrote a movie that we're going to do, and I'm directing it in the fall, and so we're casting it now. And um, so I've been writing a ton in the last year because um, my wife went on vacation with my son for a month, and um, I had a month free, and I just had a you know it's funny because i you know i've been writing for i don't know 15 years but i never had a son now that i have a son <laughs> it puts like you have you realize you have such little time it that, focuses the mind yes exactly because yeah. you have such little time so you know whenever you have like i had a month every day to you know to go to the library and do it so yeah so i got so much done and i hope they uh i i love them more than i love myself but i also hope they go on another little vacation <laughs> So the, when they went away, did you, you know, aimlessly kick around for a little bit before the work ethic kicks in, or are you very much no, oriented? No, no. And I took them the to the airport and went straight to the library because um, the A train goes from the JFK to where the library is. But um, but uh, no, 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 no. I'm incredibly disciplined now because I have no choice. You know, you whereas no it used to be that I made money from movies, so I didn't have you know I didn't have like the kind of um, I didn't have like the financial need to like finish something as a writer, of course. you know, and, um, and I had all the time in the world, but now that I don't, I just, it's great. I mean, the best thing you can do is have some kind of restraint Absolutely. if yeah, you're in the arts, you know, you need some true. kind of boundary or place to yeah. go or something or a deadline or just something to push you along a little bit. Do you bit. have the yeah. same thing? I find that I'm more of a procrastinator when it comes to deadlines. I'm very much from the Douglas Adams school. What I love that. He? he said, I love deadlines. I love, I love the wishing noise they make as they go past. Oh, so I'm, I'm very much like that. <laughs> oh, uh, that's interesting. So I need the deadline to be right here, screaming in my ear. Right. And otherwise will, you taunt it. Yeah, precisely. Otherwise I will put, I will push things, you know, put things aside and push things you know, away and, uh, and then suddenly I realize, oh, fuck, I need, right, right. I need to do right this. Of guilt. I need yeah. to do this right now. Um, but, but, you know, I find that sometimes my, my most uninspired work comes from, <laughs> as a result of that. Your most um, uninspired work. My, my yeah, most sorry. uninspired work. Yeah, uh, what about yourself? Uh, I, you know, whenever you're writing, does inspiration come naturally? What's your, what's your process? Um, I always have like a, you know, a dozen ideas, you know, I'm thinking about and the ones that stick with you, you're usually the ones that you want to pursue because they have some meaning beyond uh, just thinking of it as a kind of novelty. Yeah, I mean, I think it was like, was it Nora Ephron who said something like, if you have a writer in the family, you're in trouble. And, you know, the, <laughs> I, the idea being, you know, you steal everything you can from the people around you uh -huh. and then, you know, change the names vaguely to, um, you know, protect yourself from lawsuits. <laughs> so directing is in the future? Yeah, so I'll finally do a movie this year. And I haven't, I've spent like the last decade really avoiding all watching all movies because it just made me kind of self-conscious, even movies I'm not in, um, but especially movies I am in. And so I spent like the last two weeks <laughs> watching stuff and um there's some like yeah good titanic did you see this i've seen titanic yeah this ship sinks and yeah, yeah, there's still a movie after that so it's amazing um yeah i i'm like I, i'm like a person who like you know was like in a like cryogenically frozen and like just came out of you know the tank and um like seeing all these things that i've missed and uh gone with the wind did you see that <laughs> see, he loves wind, her yeah. but she doesn't like him yeah um so they yeah, go with the wind yeah it yeah. all it all happens in that, in that movie it's that's amazing. a long movie 
Titanic's a long movie, Jesse. You telling me that your movie is an epic? <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, that's funny that the movies that last with us are the ones that last the longest. Um, yeah. I saw The Parasite last week. Oh, yeah, that's good, isn't it? Oh, they yeah. did a great job with that. That's fantastic. Yeah, so are you... Brilliant. Does this, does this make you slightly nervous when you're watching movies? Like, they're up here. Right, In terms right. of the pantheon. <laughs> I know, you're exactly Of right. cinema, yeah. And then you go, well, maybe I, maybe I, shouldn't, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't go near this movie. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, can, you can attack it. Do you feel like inspired by journalism that is bad because you feel like at least I'll be better than that? Or journalism that's great because you think it's something No, if I read to. journalism that's great, I think I can never do that. So, I, so you I, only I, watch things I, that are I only watch you. things that are terrible. I only read people who are awful. Really? <laughs> Yes, I can. I can understand that. I can understand that. There's one scene I wanted to ask you about from Double Tap, uh, which is a really fun scene where Luke Wilson and Thomas Middleditch turn up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I spoke to Rhett and Paul oh, recently for the magazine, and they mm-hmm. were saying there was a there was a lot of improvisation. Uh, that whenever yeah. Thomas Middleditch turns up, that he, he goes off on one. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, I knew he was because he is part of my favorite. The, 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 my favorite thing I've ever seen on stage was this um, this group that he's in called the um, uh, Improvised Shakespeare Company. Oh my and God. And they improvise in the style of Shakespeare. And I can't exaggerate how how amazing it is. Like they, you know, they improvise in couplets, in rhymes, in sonnet form, in soliloquy. And it's just hysterical. And so I knew he's going to be great but the scene was uh the the setup of the scene is so wonderful because it's kind of like plotless so Mm. you can do anything and so it was just it was just a joy it was a joy and then also even though he's a thousand times better than me at improvising it's like more my movie than it is his movie of course because i was in the first one and uh you know he's only in it briefly so in a way it leveled the playing field that i can feel comfortable improvising with somebody who's so much better than me because he's kind of coming into my context. Yeah. And so it was like a dream come true. You know, I didn't feel nervous because the requirement for me to be funny was less than the requirement for him to be funny because he only has a brief part in it. This is true. Yeah. And it was just, uh, it was like a dream. It was, it was just the funniest thing. Um, yeah, he was just great. He's great. A, yeah, he's, he's, he's tremendous. And uh, do you consider yourself, you say you're not, you, you say he's better than you at improvising, but uh, I imagine he's better than, uh, most, than most people at improvising. He's, he's a genius level improvi- improviser. Yes. Are you, do you, are you comfortable with improvising? Is that something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm good at it. I'm just not as good. And, and yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, practice it, but he's, he's just naturally gifted and then also has yeah. spent his life doing it. He, <laughs> he did um, an improv show at Carnegie Hall. Uh-huh. Uh, he was the first person to do that, obviously, you know, cause that's not what Carnegie Hall is even known for, but it you know, true. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and sold out Carnegie Hall for improv. I mean, he, wow. he's just on a different, how do you get the Carnegie thing? Hall improv? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just figure it out. Yourself. Wow. Yeah. And so one last quick thing about that, when you're improvising on a, on a movie like that, uh, do, is it literally a case of they turn the camera on and the two of you go at it and then, the camera they call cut and then they sift through what you've done and then hopefully there's a scene there yeah. or do you have a little chat beforehand i'm going to try this are you going to try this is that it's, uh, such a an astute question to ask because um that's exactly because it's exactly both you know it's oh, okay. yeah you you know kind of roll with it but then also like you know he'll say oh say this and i'll say oh could you just say this because i have something funny and you don't tell the person necessarily what it is you're going to say but you allow them to kind of experience it and um <laughs> Yeah, Ruben said, uh, the director, Ruben Fleischer said, oh, my favorite line in the movie is this is this thing you said, uh, um, and I, I had no recollection of saying it, because also <laughs> when you're in the spirit of it, you're not kind of conscious of it. Um, and so I, oh, the line is something about, he's, uh, we're talking about James Cameron, and then I said that my favorite movie is Fantasia, and I have no recollection of saying it, <laughs> because it's unprepared, and because, you know, you're kind of like more engaged in the yeah. moment. Um, and it's just so much fun. I mean, that's what's great about doing a movie like Zombieland is like, Rhett and Paul 
have such creative minds and have such a creative structure that within that structure you can almost do anything and it still works. Mm. And, uh, and and just back to Fafarian briefly before uh, I throw you out. Oh, I'm going to yeah, take yeah. this hotel room, Jesse, and this of is my course, hotel room you. now. Yeah, gonna I'm going to let you walk clothing. the streets of London. Yeah, I'm going to get my, my laundry done. Uh, I'm going to have some room service. It's going to be fine. On all on the Eisenberg account. It's yeah, all good. Yeah, yeah. It's and um, um, is that, you know, this movie is very claustrophobic. You know, yeah. you get, the, the house is a prison uh, for, exactly. for yourself and Image and Puts' characters. And did it feel like that on set? You know, Did the director Lorcan, did he want it to, to feel as tight and as claustrophobic as possible? Yeah. I mean, the truth is, anytime you're filming in like a um, a soundstage, it feels really claustrophobic. So sound stages are where they, you know, do any movie where they have to kind of control mm-hmm. the lighting and the sound, obviously, um, and the time of day. Mm-hmm. And so um, you're stuck in these, you know, soundproof warehouses where there's no windows, of course, because they need to control the light, mm-hmm. um, where there's no, you know, windows or air. And so... Um, and uh, so, m- filming movies on sound stages typically feel claustrophobic. This movie, though, was you know excessively so because the scenes we were doing was a- were about claustrophobia, were about mm-hmm. being stuck in this, you know, the same world, the same aesthetic. Um, and then only in post production did they animate the sky and animate all these things that make the movie look really pretty mm. um so on set we have the kind of the worst of both worlds um <laughs> and only when you watch the movie are you can you appreciate the kind of like you know magritte like uh, <laughs> yes. um you know atmosphere and i don't think people necessarily appreciate how dark movie sets are uh, that's the, a very the, the good lighting, point. The oh, lighting. So you visit a lot of sets. I visit a lot of sets. And, and is that what strikes you? It's so pitch black and it's so bleak until you get onto set. And yes. then that's where all the life and that's where all the light is concentrated. Everything else around it is so... It's very easy to nod off. It's very easy to become very, very bored. Time yes. passes really slowly yes. on a movie set. Yes. You're not aware of what time of day it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be incredibly quiet. And you're right. Everything is completely dark so that they can control the lights on the set. And... You know, it's funny. There are times where I visited friends on sets and I can't be there. It's 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 a stultifying experience. But if you're acting in the movie, you're usually at the center of the of, of where the activity is. Yeah. And so you don't have a sense that it can be so boring. But I wonder if you, would you spend like two or three hours on a set? I tend to get very lucky because I tend to be by the director's right hand side. Oh, so you're, you're in the center of the activity. Yeah. Because okay. they usually station, station kind of me by the director. Uh, oh, let me see. Is so, it like franchisey things that you're supposed to write about? Sometimes. So I uh, was on set of Justice League, for example, but okay. I'll also do Ben Wheatley's movies or Edgar Wright's movies or okay. Guillermo del Toro's movies. So mm-hmm. I get to get that experience of being stationed next to Guillermo for two or three days on a movie really? and just watching him go about his business is is phenomenal. How often are you surprised by a director's process? Uh, pretty much all the time. Really? Because every single director is different. Oh, and that's interesting that you have access yeah. to it because they don't know what the other one's doing. But you do. <laughs> no, they don't, yeah. yeah. I imagine sometimes they should get together and have a shadowy cabal of directors. And Yeah, Ruben Fleischer, the director of Zombieland, tried to do this. He has like, a, I think, people over his house. You have to have directed a movie before you Oh, go. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. I think, but he says, because we never get to see what, what each other do and, and he uh, thinks it's important. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you've given me a goal here, Jesse. I, I need to, to direct, I need to direct a movie and, and go around to Ruben Fleischer's Or as a house. journalist, cover that cover that dinner there you go yeah. absolutely that's that yeah I'll, I'll make that happen yeah uh, or maybe get someone better than me on it then. sure yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yes. i'm mid-level i'm mid-level yeah, of course, of course. uh but jesse it's been an absolute pleasure i will thank let you, so you enjoy the rest of your london stay oh thanks a lot thanks great, great thank to you. see you cheers likewise thank you all right so that was jesse eisenberg and now it's time to talk about this week's movie reviews because there actually are films to review guys can you believe it wow hooray christmas miracle it really is. Every day is Christmas Eve at Empire, and uh, there are three films to talk about this week. Number one with a bullet 
is a film I forgot to review last week, which maybe tells you how good it is. But nevertheless, here we are talking about this year's Best Picture frontrunner, Spencer Confidential, the latest movie to team Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg, uh, following in the footsteps of, name them. Uh, uh, Lone Survivor, uh, Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, uh, Mile 22, uh, and this one. So five, it's the fifth. It's the fifth in the the Berg Square diverse. Uh, we probably should not call this. Um, so this is based on, I believe, a series of novels by uh, by an author called Robert Parker, uh, and it stars Mark Wahlberg as Spencer, uh, and he's uh, an ex-cop who went to prison for, for, quite frankly, beating the shit out of his captain. He's done five years in prison. He's just got out, uh, and the day he's released, the captain that he pummeled is murdered and another cop is framed for the crime uh now he obviously uh teams up with an mma fighter called hawk played by winston duke and sets out to solve this mystery and clear the patsy's name um it's not good really is it no No. it's it's terrible it's terrible there is no defending this on any level the only thing i will say for this is that at at the very least unlike the other Bergenberg films, like Pal and Pressburger, Bergenberg, as we're going to call this. So, oh, no. uh, <laughs> unlike the other Bergenberg films, this is not a film that takes itself seriously. Like we've had, you know, uh, national tragedies, we've had jingoistic war movies. This is one that knows it's stupid. Uh, so, so, and so that he has, uh, it has, uh, uh, like inter interstitial titles that come up. Like when he's in prison, it comes up with prison. You know, oh, that's funny. And then there's a thing involving a lobster, a lobster later. Um, so it, it, like, it has a sense of humour, but it's not funny or, you know, good. Yeah, it, 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 feels like a, it feels like a massive throwback to about 1992, <laughs> maybe somewhere between 1992 and 1994. Yeah, nothing um, wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I am saying that that's, it, this feels extremely retro it really and... Does weird it's a very um, trashy kind of crime film and you can mm. see the you know you can the people who are behind i mean you can see the ending a mile away you really can and oh god uh, yeah it's i mean it's absolutely ridiculous i mean you'll you'll never figure out the person who's a bit dodgy like from the second <laughs> they appear on screen like that will come as a complete shock to but you but it's got alan arkin in it <laughs> no it's not uh that would be a little bit too meta for this but it's i mean look it's on Netflix. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to get off your ass to watch it. You don't have to pay anything. And I think for all of those reasons, uh, the only <laughs> thing the only thing this costs you is time. Precious minutes <laughs> of life that will leech away during this film's two-hour running time. I'm going to defend yeah. this film. Go on, do it. Bring it. I thought it was perfectly serviceable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Steady. It's, it's Damn it. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry, but there's a reason why it's the best picture frontrunner you guys. <laughs> Um, I don't know. There's something about the easy chemistry that the the Bergs have, Wahlberg and Berg, and uh, I, I, you know, I really like, for example, Lone Survivor and Deepwater Horizon, and uh, I think that I think they've got something going on as a sort of cut price Wayne and Ford or cut price <laughs> Carpenter and uh, and Russell, like a like a real like a like a bargain basement Carpenter and Russell. Mm. Um, but yeah, this 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 entertained me. I was in a foul mood when I watched this because I watched this immediately after Liverpool exited the Champions League, which happened the day before they stopped football. So, you know, had they just waited, had they brought it forward by one day, then we'd still be in the Champions League. But um, but hey-ho. And I was in a foul mood and this 
kind this movie kind of shook me out of my stupor where I was feeling sorry for myself. And uh, Alan Arkin's good in it. Winston Duke yeah. and, and Wahlberg have got good chemistry together. Um, it's decent. It's perfunctory. Uh, you know, I don't think that they took a lot of time on staging fight scenes and you know blocking and remembering lines, little things like that. But um, I will say that Eliza Schlesinger who plays Wahlberg's ex-wife, <laughs> yeah. is the best thing in the movie. Oh, without she a doubt. She is very, very funny, uh, has a, a real um, real, real lip on her, and uh, and they have a sex scene in a bathroom where <laughs> I'm pretty sure neither of them have unsheathed their genitals, so I'm not entirely sure how they've managed to make it work. I do always wonder about that when you get sex scenes in films, when two people who are clearly fully dressed and make no hand movements towards becoming undressed then start grinding their genitals together, and you're like, um, I don't... Don't, I mean, I, I don't I think, think that's how assume, sex works. <laughs> I, just I think we have to assume that they cut out the bit with the hands, you know, removing bits of clothing from the interim um, in an effort to placate the censors. You think? I assume. Yeah, it must be. But there must have been a moment where, you know, people push things to one side. You think? I mean, there are certain people, to, you know. Joshua Jackson, for example, <laughs> who presumably doesn't need people to take their clothes off. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Anyway. anyway, on that note, um, <laughs> have we have we given this a, a star rating? I'm not entirely sure we have, but we, um, we have not reviewed it. But I fear this deserves, uh, at best, a two star rating. It's two. It's a two star film. The most two star in its, film. in its DNA. I'm, Could I'm not be more this, two star. I'm taking this no. under advisement and thus giving three stars. No, in oh no, no, absolutely, absolutely not. not. Two stars. No. Thank Two you. stars. Listen, it's the best Netflix original movie <laughs> since Murder Mystery, and I'm including the oh Irishman in that. Oh my god! Yeah, that's right. You heard me. You heard wow. me. <laughs> You're a monster. What was, that, what was that? What was that Netflix movie about the marriage story? What was that called? Um, yeah, it's better than that. Bright, I believe. It's better than that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Take that prestige. Yeah. Cinema. Wait, 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 wait. What about a Christmas Prince three or whatever world? Yeah, that's I fair. mean, that's for oh, all yeah. that that one with um. Young Mark Ruffalo. What's that one called? Oh, yeah. To All the Boys I've Loved Before, P.S. I Still Love You. Or, or, no, it was, it's they've shortened it, isn't it? To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You. That one was right. cute. We should have talked about that one. That one was cute. We did. You reviewed it. Oh, yeah, I did. Hey, <laughs> carry on. Hooray! All right. So, five stars and for Spencer Confidential. And uh, next up, we have, uh, speaking of master filmmakers, uh, from Peter Berg to <laughs> Hirokazu Koreeda, uh, the great <laughs> Japanese director. His latest uh, features Ethan Hawke. No less. And Julia Binoche as well. Um, uh, yeah, and Catherine yeah. Deneuve. Yeah. You know. And Catherine Deneuve. Let's not bury the leads. So yeah. <laughs> bury the leads. Uh, it's called The Truth, or if you are as addicted to Duolingo as I have been over the last few weeks, La Ferrete. Very Mon good. Dieu. Oui, c'est la vérité. Um, this is, uh, a story is a strong word, because this is more of a kind of snapshot of a life, I feel like. Um, and Catherine Deneuve plays very much against type as a fabulous uh, French actress, um, a diva who's been uh, a star for years and has become accustomed to being treated a certain level of uh, with a, with a certain level of respect. Uh, Juliette Binoche is her daughter Lumiere, who is a screenwriter in America, and she's married to Ethan Hawke's Hank, who, God bless him, is very sweet and has no clue what's going on because he doesn't seem to speak much French. Um, 
the whole film's in French, apart from basically his dialogue. Um, and occasionally Binoche will throw him a bone and explain what everyone else is talking about. Um, and, and Deneuve doesn't. She just speaks to him in French for the most part. She's amazing. Um, but it's an it's an incredible story. It's bas- story is, again, a strong word. But it's basically just about this relationship between uh, this mother and daughter uh, and and this the mother's absolute focus on her career and the fact that really she is not focused on emotion, on family or any of that. It, she is a career woman and therefore a family is of secondary importance to her and, and she is not apologetic for that and she is not... Um, worried by that really like she has a moment of connection at one point and then says damn i could have used this in the scene you know and mm-hmm. so it's it's a really it's a quite a, a brave i think performance in that respect and i think it's also quite a true one because actually if you look at a lot of these hollywood stars and, and french stars as well on a level like Deneuve, you know at some points they have made those decisions they have decided to prioritize work over family and and so it is, it's kind of an, an interesting thing for a film like this to explore because I think usually it's seen as this cause of deep regrets to people. And, you know, some people mustn't regret it. Some people must be like this. And I think it's really interesting to look at it that way. But I think Coriada, as you'd expect, just has such a beautiful eye for the moments that sum a character up and, mm. and the moments of connection and the moments of disparity and, you know, the hurt that people cause each other and the joy they give each other. Like, it's just, it's beautifully put together in that respect. It's it's so um, mm. intense in, in just portraying these relationships uh, with this level of, of detail and kind of specificity that they all feel immediately like very real people. Um, and yeah, and then the, the relationship between the mother and daughter is kind of, played out against the film that um that Deneuve's character Fabienne is making which I want to see um yeah I it's, it's really it's a kind of a cool film it's kind of a weird almost like a rivalry yeah. kind of sci-fi About movie a or, or um won't grow old uh interstellar mm. it's interstellar a little bit <laughs> um but yeah so so it it's a it's again it's just beautifully constructed so that, that provides a real counterpoint and kind of illumination to the main characters relationships yeah he's got loads of emotional intelligence i think you're right he has an mm. incredible eye for you know the interaction and the interplay between people and, and and how they push each other's buttons and you know how people mask her and the passive aggression in here that gets weaponized at points oh, is gosh. extraordinary <laughs> uh, but it's just lovely seeing that she's written this autobiography and it's just her daughter looks at this and sees fiction like this is not my childhood mm-hmm. this was not my life and uh she's maddeningly unrepentant about it um, but yeah, their their relationship is is beautifully beautifully rendered in this. I, I really mm. like this. It was great. Yeah, really good. Uh, and we gave this four stars. Four stars. Four stars. Um, four stars that, for La Verité. That's one star more oh or less than Spencer Confidential. Yeah. <laughs> or two stars more if you use our well, double the stars. Our I mean, Earth maths. Really? I mean, are we really are we really going to go down that route, Helen? Are we really going to go down that route of giving Spencer confidential? You'll look, you'll have egg in your face when it wins Best Picture next year. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I, I, hey, if, as long as I have, still have eggs next year <laughs> and we haven't run out of food entirely, that'll be lovely. <laughs> Good point. The Truth is available on Curzon Home Cinema. Uh, so if you go on to Curzon Home Cinema, you subscribe to that as well. Uh, Mubi is also available, but I don't think it's a movie. I think it's on Curzon Home Cinema. Uh, uh, you will be able to find The Truth. Um, that's also where you'll find Dogs Don't Wear Pants, which is a Finnish movie. I'm afraid that uh, none of us have seen this week, but it is available uh, for you to watch as of today on Curzon Home Cinema. But uh, it is a 
film about a cardiac surgeon who uh, goes to a piercing parlor with his teenage daughter and uh, finds out there's an unexpected way to visit his late wife who died 10 years earlier through near-death experiences provided by a dominatrix. So it's very interesting. Our Ian Freer saw it and he gave it four stars. Uh, he said, it makes 50 shades of grey look the kindergarten. A funny, provocative and strangely moving treat. The safe word is excellent. Oh, good stuff, Ian Freer. Um, and if I have time over this weekend. Um, Shot in glowing neon and shiny latex, the BDSM scenes don't hold back. Brackets, licking boots, golden showers, candles on back. Well, that's my weekend plan, sort huh. Dogs don't wear pants. Four stars for that, indeed. And uh, we'll be reviewing more stuff next week. Dogs don't wear pants, and when we're recording this podcast, neither do we. Oh, Except my God. I've, next week. I've, as of next week, oh, free and swinging. That's all I'm going to say. I've asked you so many times to wear pants. <sighs> <laughs> that's the beauty of this situation. You, you have to take silver linings where you can find them, Helen. I've said in the podcast for years, I don't wear trousers whilst recording the podcast. And that mm-hmm. has been a lie. But as of next week, <laughs> oh, yes. It's Boxer Short Central. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Dr. Kenneth Noisewater and the Octagon have to feel the breeze... Anyway, that's enough of that. <laughs> anyway, all good, mm-hmm. all good. Uh, because that is it for this week's very experimental recorded at home <laughs> digital weirdness, uh, COVID-19 attacking us at all junctures, uh, Empire Podcast. Join us next week, fingers crossed, for more film-related fun. We'll be talking about stuff. Doing okay. <laughs> we will. It's true. Uh, we don't have a guest as of yet, but I am continuing to work on the guest situation, and hopefully we will have guests fairly regularly. There may be the odd episode, and I always swore that this would never happen, but then again, there's a fucking pandemic, so what can you do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that we would never have an episode without a guest, uh, but that may happen once or twice or thrice or fourth uh, over the next few weeks, who knows, but uh, we're going to try our best to get people uh, onto the podcast, even if it's just for like a 20-minute phone chat or something like that um, uh, if they don't have anything to plug so I, as I say if you are a movie star a movie director a writer and you want to come on the Empire podcast then now is your chance just drop me a DM um, and we'll see how it goes right until we meet again until a auspicious occasion until then it is goodbye from James Dyer goodbye Chris be well be well it is goodbye <laughs> And don't use too much toilet roll to Helen O'Hara. <laughs> toodaloo and, you know, stay well, everybody. Putting the loo in toodaloo. Stay well, I mean, stay I'm safe, more, wash know. those hands, use the Dirty Harry speech, use the Take It speech, use whatever speech, but wash those hands, guys. Don't get the COVID. And if you do get the COVID, don't give it to me. That's, I think, the most important <laughs> thing to take away from this, this episode. Um, uh, and it is, of course, a goodbye from me. You know, I'm off to... Actually, you know what I'm off to do? Uh, guys, I wonder if you might be able to join in with me here. <clears throat> Imagine there's no heaven. Helen, now you. Yeah, suddenly I am imagining that. No. Damn it. <laughs> so close. So close. Maybe next week. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.